and verse 8. Good music. Awesome music. I like creativity. Amen. Get those fingers on those ivory and tickle them to death. Praise God. Harmonize them. Improvise. Get the get every every tune in that thing plays. Before we wreck the piano and the organ. Amen. Don't do like I do with my calculator. You know, I bought an expensive calculator. It does calculus, geometric progression, trigonometry, and all I do on this one plus one. One plus one. Till the battery dies. What a shame. What a shame. You can do a lot of stuff on that thing. Is that right? Spreadsheet and a whole lot. It's time to get music around here. Oh, hallelujah. It was hallelujah. Get some soul beat down something. I heard that one. Amen. Amen. That's a good same sister. Just shout it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Chapter 3 and verse 8. And Haman said unto the king Asuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's law thereof yet. It's not for the king's prophet to suffer them. The next verse says, Let's destroy them. A lot of people like to shut you up. But I hope to God take the padlock off your mouth. Put your dancing shoes on. And start dancing. Your clothes too tight make a lot of room for movement. Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. One more time on this earth to praise you. One more voice to sing aloud unto thy excellent name. Bless the remainder of the service. At the end, let it be said, was good to be here. I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I'm going to say it's called cultural class. A class of culture. Get my title right. A class of culture. In other words, you're being shocked by the culture. I'm going to say at the very outset here, whatever you fail to destroy, your children have to deal with it. I said, whatever you fail to destroy, your sons and your daughters are going to have to deal with it. But I've, a wise father and a wise mother always see their children's heritage and will leave the uncashed portion of the check for their sons and daughters. But if you bring the accursed thing in your home and don't deal with it, it could cost them a lot. The Bible says that there was a time when God called King Saul. Saul, I want you to go and wipe out the Amalekites. The Amalekites, they went off to your mom and dad when they were coming out of bondage in Egypt and trying to live for God. And they did everything in their power to stop them from going to the promised land. And the devil will always try to stop you from making progress. If you will let him. If you will let him, he will block you. And so the Amalekites, which word mean the flesh, tried hard to prevent Israel from making it out of Egypt to the Promised Land. And those that were weak and straddlers at the back got killed. It's not good to be straddler. It's not good to be at the outer periphery. It's always better to be in the center will of God than in the outer perimeter. But everything on the outer perimeter that felt they were too weak and couldn't keep pace with the army, the Amalekites killed them. So not only Balaam was after them, the Midianite, but the Amalekite was after them. When you plan to live for God, all the forces of evil are going to try to stop you. 
If you are stoppable, you will be stopped. But there are some people that are unstoppable. They're undeniable, undefeatable. Their mind is made up. And they're going to go to a promised land that God made. But the Amalekite was determined. You're not going to go. I'm going to stop you. Now they belong to uh, Esau, the Edomite, the guy that sold his birthright. Let me tell you, backsliders don't want you to live for God. Backsliders apostate love comfort in knowing that you also bite the dust. They sing the song, another one bite the dust. Better not be you. There's no highway to hell. It's a it's a road you don't want to be on. And so here they try to stop Israel from going. Now, God taught Israel when she come out of Egypt, because in Egypt they lost their identity. God said, when you come out of Egypt, there are seven nations stronger than you, more powerful than you, but your God is awesome. A whole lot greater and more powerful than your adversary. For great is he that's with you than he that's against you. And so you can win the battle if you so choose. And so Israel, he said, now I want you to destroy all their pictures. Destroy their altar. Let me tell you folks, it's not good, it's not of God, that this church should enter into any ecumenical prayer meeting. Now I know you're going to say, I don't agree to pastor, but see my culture and yours are different. Elijah did not join the prayer meeting of those Baal worshippers. He built his own altar. Noah did not go join, amen, the uh, Canaanites. He built his own altar. Amen. Separation is where the strength is. Amen. I told you before, you don't want to mix a mongrel with a thoroughbred. <laughs> You're going to lose value if you do that. And you don't want to mix, mix, mix mess up God's people with the children of the world. You're going to lose your kids to the world. And you don't plan to lose your kids to a bonfire called hell or the lake of fire. So you're going to keep them separate. Hello. Amen. And so the Bible says, but in Egypt there was, there was some good mothers who did not fear the king's command. Everybody was killing their sons except Jacobin. She said, this is my kid. And I don't care what the king said. I don't fear him one bit. I fear God more than I fear him. I'm going to save my kid. <laughs> Hallelujah. And God spared that boy. He grew up to become no, I mean, uh, Moses. And Moses was a strong man. And when Moses came of age, he said, Look, I will not be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. We're from two different cultures. He said, Look, I am a Hebrew. And I'm proud of my pedigree. Are you proud of who you are? Are you proud of your pedigree? Are you proud of your God? That you're a distinct people. And he said, look, I don't want to be a Pharaoh. I don't want to be a Pharaoh. I'd rather hang around Christ. Amen. I'd rather reproach of Christ than the pledges of sin for a season. And Moses bring them out of Egypt. And the Malachite said, you're not going to make it. I'm going to stop you. And so God said, Moses... I'm going to be at war with those people forever and forever. Now, God raised up Saul. And said, Saul, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites. Destroy them all. Now, it's not that God's practicing genocide. But God knows as long as they make those people live, they are a diehard, sworn to heart, to wipe out Israel. And God doesn't want nothing to wipe you out. Better you wipe them out than they, you, they, they wipe you out. And God said, now, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites. You know what he did? He spared Agag. Not only did he spare Agag, he spared some, some Amalekites who lived beyond Saul. And now, this man called Mordecai, in captivity, had to deal with what's left behind. Let me tell you, friend, when you start destroying things in your house that's not of no value to God, don't stop till it's all gone. Get rid of it. Otherwise, your kids have to deal with it. And they may not be strong enough to deal with it. Hear me now, friend. 
And the Bible says that Saul did not destroy them. And now here's Mordecai living in captivity because the, the forefathers made a mistake and caused them to go into captivity. And guess who's trying to wipe them out? The Agites. You know who the Agites are? Amalekites. They shouldn't be around. They should go to the dead in their grave. But they're alive because somebody did not destroy them all. Somebody did not destroy them all. You know, David should have killed not just Goliath, but his five brothers too. You know, he, he got five stones, enough ammunition to kill all five of them. But only kill one, left four behind, and they almost killed him later on down the road. Hello? And so now, here is Mordecai, the king, the Syrian king, made a decree that when they receive Haman coming, everybody must bow. Now, folks, a Jew cannot bow to a Gentile. It's not right. And so everybody's bowing. Everybody's bowing but one guy. Are you afraid to be an individual? Or are you get swallowed by the group? Here's a guy who said, I'm not afraid to be an individual, but I'm not going to battle. I'm not going to battle because I'm a Jew. And so word got to Haman that there's a guy at the gate that will not bow when you go by. She said, let me check it out. I want to ask you, church, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would you be convicted? I don't hear no grunts out there. Would you be convicted? Mordecai came, sat there and would not move, and here come Haman. Haman walked by. Everybody's bowing, but one guy said, I'm not bowing. That's against my culture. That's against my values. That's against the Word of God. Thou shalt not bow your knees to anything else but. And they said, Why do you transgress the king's command? He said, Look, I serve the king of kings. I heard the king command, but I know the king of kings. And the king of kings, so you don't bow. So whose report do you believe? Who will you listen to? Church? The question is, does the church today have to face the same problem? Do we have to face the same antagonism? Are we called upon to do violations against our tenet of faith? Are we called upon to violate the article of our faith? What about the doctrine of our faith, the foundation upon which we're built? Do we have to also conform or be reformed? Or do we stand resolute? I'm not going to bow. It's a matter of a clashing of values. The Bible said he would not bow. He said, look, I can't do it. He said, I am a Jew. That should tell you a whole lot. I'm not going to bow. Now, a Jew is always called an olive. An olive means something that will never mix. You can never mix olive with anything else. It just will not mix. It is immiscible. That means it will not go into a chemical reaction solution with anything else. You just can't unite the two. And anything God is raising up has got to be thoroughbred. It has to be immiscible. It cannot be... Amen. Uh, assimilated. It cannot be uh, contained in anything else. It has to remain distinct. That's why I say, I can't bow. I'm not going to bow. The kind of culture. Here's the Jewish culture, and here is the uh, the Syrian culture, and they have a law that says you don't break the law because once the law is established, you can't reverse it. They have an irreversible law. So he came by and said, Now, why don't you bow? He's cornered, the Bible says. And he said, look, I'm not going to bow. I'm, I'm a Jew. Jew don't bow to you guys. So he tried to hang him, kill him, destroy him. Now, you see, you may kill a believer, but you can't kill his belief. Paul said, you may lock me up, but the word of God is not bound. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and so he made a, a, a real conniving plot. To wipe out all the believers who would not bow. It takes one person to take a stand, hopefully to motivate the rest. Don't bow. Don't give in. Don't compromise. Take a stand.
be separate be distinct uphold the tenet of your faith hold fast to the article of your belief and don't give in because there is greater things in me than what's in the world we are a distinct people amen you can't assimilate us it does not go to work let's kill them let's kill all the Jews and they paid to kill them well Mordecai heard about it and began to cry and, and there he had a girl in the, in the, in the office I'm telling you, God gave you a job for a reason not just to make money God placed you where you are for a divine purpose and if you don't have that purpose you may be an apostate and don't even know it here's Esther she won the beauty contest she took the place of Vastai, who God moved out and put somebody strategically in position that when he needs them, he can call on them. God gave you a job for a reason. Not to compromise, but to stand out. To be distinct. To be different. It's like God put you where you are. And you may think of this for your pocketbook. You're wrong. God have needed that donkey. He said, I'm going to ride that donkey. God of you in the upper room. He wants that upper room. And honey, God chose you when He put you in the church for a reason, in the job for a purpose. Will you stand for God? Or will you compromise? And so he said, and notice, look, I'm in sackcloth and ashes. Now, the culture says nobody sits at this gate in sackcloth. In Jamaica, we call it a crocus bag. That's what we call it. Or sackcloth in Israel. You don't dress that way before the king's office. And Mordecai said, I'm not going to move. I'm no secret disciple. I believe what I believe is a public, it's a public testament of what I believe. Are you ashamed to testify that you're a Pentecostal? Are you going to hide behind customs? Hello? He said, I'm not going to change the fact I am a Jew. And I'm not going to change that. And by the way, when we're mourning, we put sackcloth on. Now, I don't care what your culture said. My culture said, I'm in mourning right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> because I won't bow to the enemy's demand. Just so, so send some clothing, you know. Come on, man. Don't be so con confrontational. Hey, truth is confrontational. Truth will be confrontational when you take a stand. You can be a meal amount about it or be standing firm on it. And so he said, I don't want that cloak. Why should I put it on just to make them feel nice with me? There's a principle at stake here. There is a, a policy I'm dealing with. Hello? He said, look, girl, by the way, let me remind you. You got that job that you have, not because you're that pretty. But God put you there. How do you know? For such a time as this. But, so, but if you ever hold your peace and don't grasp to the occasion and take a, a stand for the values that you believe in were brought upon, he said, God will destroy you and your father's house and turn into a dung hill. But God will raise up somebody else who will do what you refuse to do. There's nobody. God never wanted for a man or a woman to take a stand. That's why you might as well fit the bill. You might as well stand up for God. Because if you don't, I promise you, He replaced you very quickly. Amen. He replaced Judas with the Apostle Paul. Amen. Hallelujah. And so she said, well, all right. You know, so you know the custom? We've got a class of values here. You're not supposed to be where you are doing what you're doing. And I shouldn't be in, really in this office where I'm at. But I'm here by the grace of God. And now I'm called upon to take a stand for God. And I better take a stand because I'm on trial right now. All my training, all my teaching, all my learning is on trial. You see, our kids can look good in church right here. But we don't know what they do outside the doors. We don't know what they do behind closed doors. We don't know what they do among their friends when the pressure comes. And, and they draw the circle and leave them out. And they feel isolated. Or are they insulated? Think about it. And so, she said, look. Tell Mordecai, you put a pressure on me. You're calling me to make a decision. 
Hello? If I save my life, I will lose it. But if I lose my life, I will get it back. So you know what I'm going to do now? I am going to call all my friends. And we're going to have a prayer meeting. And we're going to fast for three days and three nights. Join us, please, Mordecai. I'm going to talk to the King of Kings who control the King. Hallelujah. Compromise is not the answer. Taking a stand will always be the bulwark. But if you take a stand, God will stand with you. If you compromise, my friend, you're going to lose everything. Lose your covenant. Lose your glory. Lose your cup. Lose your birthright and everything. And the Malachi will walk off with it. Don't give in to the flesh. So, you say, I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. Say, now, you know the custom, Mordecai. The custom is, I can't do what you told me to do. You told me, go see the king. And the king command is, Nobody come in my office unless I call for them. And if anybody come through my door, there's a guy with a big old chopping block executioner with a big old bag going to drop it over your head you'll be, you'll be dead. In seconds you'll be dead because if I don't raise my scepter of authority, you're going to be killed on arrival. But she said, some things that we're dying for. Some things that we're dying for standing for. And so, forget about their value system. I'm going to stick to my value system. I'm going to stick, I'm a Jew, and I'm going to stand for the Jewish principle, and my article of faith, and my doctrine, and, and the values that were taught to me. I'm going to go see the king. And if I perish, I perish. But I'm not going to sell out cheap. I'm not going to be an Esau. That gave it my birthright just for a cup of soup. I'm not here for a beauty contest. I'm here to stand for God. I'm here to stand for principle, for righteousness, for holiness. Hallelujah. And I'm going to take a stand. And if I perish, I'll perish. But I'm going to go. A class of culture. Mordecai. Had to face his culture and would not give in, put his life on the line. Now she has got to face her culture versus their culture. And now her life is on the line. Let me tell you, friend, the devil says, All that a man hath, he'll give to save his skin. But he has never been a Pentecostal. He's about to meet one in the body of Job. He's about to meet a Job. Now I got a feeling to send some Job around. The Lord knoweth them that are his. God said, I got 7,000 who have not stooped and bowed to kiss the foot of Baal. The only person we kiss around is the Son of God. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. But we ain't kissing Baal toe. That stinking toe. That dirty toe. Hallelujah. Now, folks, she fasted and she prayed. And she dressed up as if she's going to go to her grave. She said, I'm going to see the king. I want to tell you, friend, when they're right against your kids at school, do you go face the headmasters? Do you go face the principals? Oh, Lord, now. Do you let them browbeat you and beat the kids down and bully them and antagonize them? Or do you rise up one day from prayer meeting and walk to that prayer that's cool with your eyes full of the Holy Ghost and look those teachers in the eye and say, look, I'm not afraid of the system. I belong to a bigger system. I belong to a greater educator, a bigger counselor than the one you got. Come on now. Hello? And I'll take a stand for my child rights to do what's right in the eyes of God and not based on your culture and your standard. Oh, I can hear the amen around here now. A class of culture. Hello? And she said, I'm going to go see the king. And she walked to the door. And those guards know she's going to be killed. But she made up her mind. She purposed, I'd rather die 
for something than die for nothing. Anybody here feel that way? A classic culture. Hallelujah. And so, she stepped right in, and the guards move your swords. Open the door. You could see the hush. You could hear it as he stood there. But I'm not moving until you move. And the king looked at her. And when he looked at her, the king of kings, just like king's heart, because the heart of the king is in the hand of the king of kings. It's when you take a stand, you have progress. Compromise don't give you prosperity. It brings you down into this, into diversity and problem and adversity. But when you stand for God, you prosper. When you don't take a stand, you face adversity. I want to tell you, my friend, it's a good thing to have the Lord on your side. We can face today culture. We can stand up to it. If you chose to and purpose in your heart. And the king said, What do you want? And when she spoke, folks, she spoke words that touched the entire countries and the kingdoms. God is looking to you and me where we are to represent him from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. They can look at you and tell. But you're different. You smell different. You talk different. You live different. You cannot hide a candle under a bushel. It just does not work. You are on a hill. You are not able to hide because God put you on a hill. You are not in a valley. And the reason why you're on a hill is so you can shine for Jesus. So you can represent God. And the Bible said they won the battle because two people, my brother and mine, I will not be shocked by the culture. I will shake that culture. I will reverse the irreversible. One thing I like about the Sheikhs and the Mohammedans, they changed Canadian system. Something Christians have not been able to do. They outlawed the Bible and were silent. They tell their kids how to dress and were silent. They forced laws on parents and were silent. The sheiks come and says, I want my kid by religion carries dagger. And they have to let him do it. They wouldn't budge. My kid gonna wear the turban to school. And he wears it. The school saves. The RCMP with their tradition, uniform, they join said, We want that change for us. They changed it. The Mohammed says, We gotta pray three times a day or five times. And our boys and girls will on the job site or on the school site. And the change took place. But Christians are being pushed outside the school system, outside of parliament, outside of the constitution, outside of the institution of marriage. In every level, we don't have a Christian like Esther or Mordecai that can stand up and say, if I'll perish, I'll perish. Those people are not afraid to go to jail. They're afraid to die. They'll die for Mohammed. They'll die for their beliefs. They'll die for their turban. As a result, the whole country has changed. Go to the airport and look how it's changed. Go in the RCMP and see how it's changed. Look at the judges and see how they change it. And now the Sharia law is about to become second along with the natural law because they said we've got a culture that will not be changed. We'd rather die than give it to your culture. Islam reigned worldwide. And they're willing to enforce it by guns if they have to. Christians are in the retreat. Holy, the fastest growing 
religion apart from Muslim faith is the Jehovah's Witnesses. They will not take blood transfusion because there is the culture clash with the system. And they'll choose death than have a doctor transfer blood into their little kid's vein. They'll fight up to the White House or to the, to the any Supreme Court. And they'll still define anyhow and go their own way. Because they said there's a clash of culture. I want to ask you, does God say today to His people, go down to the Rechabites and see the Rechabites how their father told them you're not supposed to drink wine under no circumstance and God sent Jeremiah the prophet and said let me show you people with conviction let me show you people my friend that make a vow will not break it no matter what the circumstances are he said go down to the Rechabites let me teach you what my people don't have and they went down they said offer them a little drink of beer or wine or whiskey whatever and they said no our father told us never to touch that stuff he said never but I gave you Rechabites and you gave them strong drink I gave you prophets and you told the prophets don't prophesy I want to tell you church is there anybody with a conviction for what they believe Anybody who wants to stand up against the new morality, against the new edition, amen, of culture. Is there anybody in this church that will stand for biblical principle? Or will you give in to a moral society that's degrading? I'm going to ask you, my friend, will you take a stand? Or will you be quieted down into a non-confrontational lifestyle that compromises values for God? I admire Muslims. I admire Sikhs. I do. I admire them. They will not take no for an answer. They'll do things in their power. Every government that they confront change. Except Christians. Christians are always on the retreat. We retreat so far back till there's nowhere else left to go. Hallelujah. And God said, go run up and down the street and see if you can find a man or a woman that love truth, that will stand for truth. You can't find one. But Esther showed us. Our culture today is accusing the Christian church of a cultural lag. They say we're not keeping pace. With the modern times and the changes. They said, look at us. We're ignorant, ignoramus. They said, we ignore science. We ignore technology. We ignore the social change institutions. The rapid shift left us behind, they said. They said, we must change our face distinction, extinction. In other words, give our distinctiveness, our face extinction. Many churches are making allowances. They change the name of their churches. They do not want the name of a church to represent Pentecost because tongue speaking is too frightening to people. They don't want to mention Holy Ghost because it's too spooky. It's not modernly accepted. They don't want us to dress right. Paul went down to Corinth and when he was preaching down there the men had long hair and the women had short hair. Paul in chapter 11 of the book of 1 Corinthians mentioned he, 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 he clashed with the culture and he said look the church have no such custom. We got preachers today who will not preach that because it linked with the purse string of finance. We have sold out. We are unlike the apostles. The apostle says silver and gold have I none but such as I have give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Today what we have 
is silver and gold, but we have not the name and the power of Jesus Christ. We're just a shell of what it used to be. I want to ask somebody this morning, is there somebody that can stand up like Esther and Mordecai and say, the culture is not shocking me. I'm going to shock the culture by my resolute stand for God's righteousness and holiness. I'm not a compromiser. I'm a believer in my values. I will not trade my system for a lower base system. One guy walked in my church when I was across the road. Little Bill and look at my wife and I. Two of us. And I preached just like this. And he gave me his prophetic word. He said, You keep preaching like that, and you'll always be small. Nobody's going to come. I said, Sir, you haven't changed my mind. So I walk in this city with truth. And when I leave, I'm going to have it still. I didn't come here to seek friends and, and join sororities. No, I come here to declare the truth that set men free. The church is facing an identity crisis. Who are we anyhow? What do we believe? What do our people believe? Where do you stand? What do you allow? What do you disallow? What will you stand against? Nobody knows because you're living as a secret disciple. And you don't do much for God. But you can't hide behind secrecy. You've got to be confrontational. Because the truth is confrontational. It's culture or Christianity. Make up your mind. But you've got to make up your mind at the great divide. The conflict is, are we driven by culture? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come here, honestly. Honestly, the young girl. All the young girls in the is not like you. You don't know the depth of sin. That girls your age knows. All because someone built an edge around you. If that edge ever got removed, you'd be surprised what she could become like. Go see Colombians. Go see countries where there's no walls, no protection, and see what happens. And when they see someone looking different, they're attracted to it. I know why. When Abraham made a mistake and went down to Egypt, and Sarah stood out, Sarah had more virtue than all the women where she went. That's why she stood out. We are a speckled bird. We cannot be hid. There's something about our demeanor. From the head to the toe, we have distinctiveness. The man said their laws are diverse. Their modesty dress code is different. Their law and marriage is different. Their ideas about the fetus is different. we got ten commandments we'll live by. We live by a divine institution, not a constitution by some king. we got some morals. we got some scruples. And our children, hallelujah, God said, Abraham is going to command his children to live by those principles. And God said, my kids are not going to go them there. Their kids her age are addicted, drunk addict, a drug addict, prostitute. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Amen. It's the edge that built around her. You move that edge and take away insulation and isolate her from church and she will go the same way like any other kid. Thank you. She has no idea what I'm talking about. Think about it. But these young boys went down to Babylon. Not by will, but by force. And while they were on their way to that journey to that land that was not their promised land, they said in their heart, We are purposed. We will not be defiled. Have you noticed Babylon did everything in their power to change their culture? The first thing they did was to change their name. It was cultural genocide. You want to kill a people, kill their culture. 
want to kill their culture, they have no identity. Pentecostals have a culture. Mm. Holiness. Righteousness. Truth. That's what brings us to where we are. When we drop that, we're gone. We're like any other man. When Samson lost his distinctiveness, he was like an ordinary man. This ain't no ordinary church. Ah, come on now. There's a difference between religion and church. Religion is for man. But the church is for the born-again believers. The blood was... I'm trying to tell you, if this can't be the church, then the church ought not to be built. I believe God told Eliezer, don't you bring back anything less than what God asked for. To Abraham. Because you can't give your promise. Hello? They said, are we going to go there? Because we have to go. And we know it's going to happen to us. We're going to try to change our culture. Let me tell you something, friend. Come here, Zachary. What Zachary believed in McMurray, he should still believe in Calgary. What he believed in McMurray, he should still believe in Toronto. Uhata Mahata. And those Hebrew boys says, I'm not in the promised land. I'm in problem land. But I still got something. I got something the world didn't give me, and the world won't take it away. I want to tell some of the friends, God got some people with conviction. It's called stick with it. If you're going to be a true disciple, become one. Hallelujah. Don't be a deserter. And they said, we are not going to compromise. And the first thing you know, they got picked by the devil. For special education. I'm so you know, every time I talk about Genesis Institute of Theology, every Pentecostal Christian I know, even though they know I'm oneness, born again, full of the Holy Ghost, everyone asks me, are you accredited? Bless God. Oh, these guys are deceived. I know they're asking me. They're asking me, are you a member of the Ecumenical School Association? Where there's a no-name brand? man says, well, what do you mean? Who on earth is good enough to, to, to credit me? I can only be credited by the Bible, which those guys don't read. Their classes have 1,500 books and no time to read the Bible. They quote Socrates and Plato's and Aximanes and all those guys, but can't quote Paul. Won't quote Peter. Won't quote John. You know why? Because that's a little holy. Those boys said, look, man, we learn everything you want to learn until you cross what we believe. I will respect the law, the king, and your statutes until you touch what's sacred to us. They said, now, I want, I, want you, I want you boys to eat the king's meat. Oh, most of us are feeling, thank God, I'm going to the White House now. I'm going to eat with a lamb chop with a president. That was offered to devils. Sacrifice to devils. Who wants to eat what the, what the devil eat out of? Hello? They said, look, thanks but no thanks. We are Jew. And as Jew, we don't mix. We got a dietary law we live by. It's contrary to your law. And so we're going to eat from your menu. We got our own menu. And by the way, I gotta prove to you that mine is superior to yours. Give us ten days testing. You gotta eat from yours and I eat from mine. And bring your boys who eat from your defiling meat. And what's me from my kosher meat. And let's see who's brighter. Let's see who's smarter. Let's see who's greater. I want to take church. The day's gonna come, you're gonna have to wash your feet. Don't be ashamed of the tabernacle praise church. Don't stoop so low to go to some pagan church. Don't go there. Avoid it with the plague. We're ten times smarter. We're ten times cleaner. We're not defiled. We're still holy. We're hanging on to our holiness. 
we will not drop our culture to accept yours. I'm saying, friend, I don't care if a man wants to marry another man or marry a dog. That's his problem. You think I'm going to get there and protest against him? If he wants to sleep with a dog? I said, go ahead, brother. Have a nice furry night. You lie with dog, your eyes with fleas. No dog under my bed. Maybe in your bed, Canadians, but not my bed. In Jamaica, dogs stay outdoor. Come by the door, we whip his hide. They know that too. They don't come in our house. No dogs in my front seat of my car. God gave him four legs to walk. Hey, walking, no dogs. You got no hands to hold. The only thing I'm going to walk is somebody, oh, oh, if I can hold your hand. Either my wife or my kid, right? But dog's got no hand to hold. So you can walk. If you want to walk, go for a walk. Not me. I don't care what you guys say. Thank you, Zachary. Well, that's a strange culture. Yes, yes it is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If I was in the States, I'd go into the dog, the dog burial business. Bury your dog free for $1,000. More than burying a, a human being. But they said, we would not be defiled. <clears throat> I'm not going to eat that. No. I'm not going to dress that way. Now, we got McDonald's and all these fancy food places. And some of these places, girls, to get a job there, you got to show, you know, lo and behold. And nothing left for imagination. The only nice leg I know is a leg of lamb. I can chew that one. Hello, but you know, to, to sell, you know, these cars. You can look up all the way down, just get that job. But guess what? Anna says, "Don't count me." And one of those girls, I don't belong to that culture. Well, pastor, your church won't grow. You're wrong. I got news. I am not building a church. Jesus is. That's the one that's building a church. He said, I sent in the church. I sent in the church. And I know them that are mine. I'm not building a church. If you build it, it's a religion. And if he built it, it's a church. Hello? Ladies, let me tell you something here. Those boys said they purposed in their heart. I will not be defiled. Hello. Hallelujah. Praise God. And those guys were determined. They were ten times smarter. They changed their name, but they couldn't change their diet or their conviction. <laughs> and they couldn't change their God. I love that. <laughs> I said, I love that. You know, I, I got some friends. When I got with them, they said, come on over here. I said, I'm not going. I said, what's wrong, Neil? Are you so holy? Yes, I am. I'm full of hope. Well, Neil, what's, what's wrong with that? Everything is wrong with it. For me. What's good for you is not good for me. You see, church, everything in Canada is lawful by the government, but it's not expedient for Pentecostal. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. You know, the Canaanites got many wives, but the sons of Noah own that one. Different culture. In Sodom, men marry men, men marry dogs, and everything else. But Lot didn't. Except one problem with Lot. Lot knew it was wrong. 
And Lot was only vexed as far as he went. He was vexed, but not enough to leave and him to preach. And we know it affected Lot so bad that Lot was willing to give his daughters. And he said these things. Do to my daughters whatever you please. If you ever tell men that today, you know what you've just done? You have mutilated your girl. You give that to a man and say, do what you please. You know what you just did? You know what you just did? That's what Lot said. Some of the things that we Pentecostals are handing our family over to, it's amazing. It's amazing how God don't strike us dead for doing what we're doing. Lord have mercy now. I lost you now. Just to get a piece of paper on the wall, you're going to send your kid into an infested church where there are a bunch of sodomites, agites, parasites, highlights. You don't care. The pastor doesn't even care if they come to church or not. If they pray or not. He doesn't care. He's blind. You don't care. You know, Ezekiel bothered me. Ezekiel bothered me. God healed him. The nation has come and said, well, we heard God heal you. Is that right? You know what he did? He threw off his, his car, his chariots, everything, and never one time mentioned God. i got a problem with preachers and people who don't want to talk about God. Do I have to be in church and talk about God? Why can't we in a coffee shop talk about God? Why can't we talk about God on the job? Why can't we discuss God anywhere we are? What's wrong with that? Oh, listen, Neil, please tell me just fellowship. What do you mean fellowship? I want to get involved with something that God can draw an eye to. And they speak often one to another. And the Lord pull closer. Church again? Can't you leave church? to leave church where are you going to put me but Lot Lot church I used to think God saved destroyed Sodom because of homosexuals that's not true if that was true we should have been destroying right now God did not destroy Sodom because of homosexuality he said Pastor what do you mean by that that's not why he did it he didn't do it for a lot either. Here's why God did it. He did not want those cities to affect the offspring of Abraham when his sons are born. So God was clearing the land because it wasn't too far away from where Abraham would have raised kids. God did it before Abraham had children. You don't believe me? There were sodomites in Israel on Josiah's reign. God did not destroy Israel. In every age there were sodomites. And God did not destroy the place. In our world today, they are here. Right or wrong, they're here. And God will not destroy here that. Here's when God started destroying. When Belshazzar began to take that golden sacred vessel and began to drink from it with his concubines and praise the gods of paganism. Then the writing came on the wall. You see, we have not yet seen the writing on the wall but Paul says, He will not come until there's first a falling away. Homosexuality will not bring God back. It's the falling away going to bring Him back. Shocking, isn't it? Huh? Pastor, I've never heard it before. Well, now you hear it. Does that condone the sins? No. But the greatest crime happened on earth is when God's people reject the well for a cistern. 
He said, it's a horrible evil. God can tolerate sin, but he can't work with apostasy. He hates it. You see, Mate Murray, a lot of backsliders are in the city, in pagan churches. Unfaithful, disloyal, traitor to Jesus Christ. Sitting right with Baal worshippers. Knowing the truth, but whole in unrighteousness. That would bring God back. All the gay marches don't affect God one bit. All the all the what goes on in Marathi don't affect him. He's not really not well you watch when we start doing crazy stuff. When these people start doing crazy stuff. Because it didn't mean that we're being assimilated. And God get angry. That's why the flood came. The flood came not because of the violence and the wickedness, but because he was losing his people to the culture. Ooh. Pastor, why are you preaching that to us? I don't know. But I know one thing. We're facing the pressure of the cultures. And they're demanding that we change or go in extinction. And churches are lowering their standards. No more two services, one service. One guy said to me, he, 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 he mouthed me after that, after I talked to him. He said, I'm going to go to, to one service. Well, so why would you do that? I said, what would people do? Where would they go? When you're having one service, the bars are still open to give service every day. They give service every day at the bars, and we give one service only to God. I call it drop in on God. You know, I call it visiting rights to God. The only way God can bless this church, Brother Matthias, guys like you come in here must not come in here and walk into a, a leper colony. No. God cannot bring people into a leper colony. We've got to walk like Enoch in spite of the times. We've got to stand like Moses in spite of the bribe. We've got to reject the movement of Lot in spite of the beauty of the wealth that are attracting us. We've got to take a stand, amen, like the Hebrew boys and say, we will not bow and say like Daniel, we will not stop praying, but only to the right God we will pray. We must say like Nehemiah and Ezra, we will not let you help us build this. We will do it by ourselves. Let's worship God. I know I'm preaching long. I need to stop. But church, church, the house is divided. We got preachers today that will not bark. In the dog culture, we call that dumb dogs. That see the thief and wag his tail. I was in Edmonton witnessing in Sherwood Park. In this house, the door was open because they were certain the dog would not let me back out. I was scheduled to go teach a Bible study. My wife and I, we went in, but we could not walk out. Because the dog was going to hold us there until the owner comes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People are heaping to themselves preachers. Did you chose a preacher or did God give you a gift? Who is advising you? Who is your counselor? Did God give you a counselor or did you chose one based on your culture? You can't choose by culture. God has to give you a preacher. God's going to set you in the church. God's going to put you there. Otherwise, you're in the wrong place. Let's worship God. 
What is growth, church, if God is on the outside? We don't want to be a Laodicean church. He was not on the inside. I'm going to stop because I could go all night, all day. But we'll say, church, I see a sad change taking place. In Ephesus, when Paul and the church walked in there, they said, these turned the world upside down. I'm sorry to say, government and culture is turning the church upside down. Not the church turning the world upside down, but the world turning the church members upside down. We see <laughs> when the church walked into a city and the membership began to pray and touch God, it said the converts burned their books. How many thousand silver worth they, they were worth because they were converted. But today I see the reverse. Christians are burning the King James Version Bible because of the ingress of culture. Think about it. People don't even care which Bible they use. Today's culture is asking us to resist the authority of the Bible, to change the apostolic doctrine. There's a class of privilege. I'm going to ask you, church, would you stand? Well, what about Mars Hill? Didn't Paul stand against Mars Hill? And Macedonia called, they beat him and bloody his back, but he did stood against that culture. And Philippi with the jailer, he withstood that thing. Bar Jesus was silenced. Can we silence anybody by our walk with God? Come on. I appreciate the young people going out to knock doors and work for God. Somewhere in that situation, they're going to learn to work for God. I appreciate folks coming to church early. Amen. And I deliver to stay out of it to watch what you'll do. You're doing the right thing, church. Because the culture demands that we violate God, that we defy our standard, that we contradict God's word, that we become assimilated and become apostate. But weak. I said, no, I refuse. I refuse to do it. No way. We will not burn our Bibles. We will not hang up our harps. We will not be assimilated. We will not be defiled. We will take a stand like Abraham. I will still remain a friend of God in these last days. Like Enoch, I will still walk with God. Like David, I'll still be a man after God's heart. Like Jeremiah, I want to be a preacher from God's heart. Like Esther, I want to keep my diversity different from everybody else. Like Daniel, I will not be defiled. Like the Hebrew boys, I refuse to bow. Can someone say amen? Where are the Josephs that said, I can't do this and sit against God? Where the Micah that said, sorry, I can't join the ecumenical preachers group. i got to say what God said. Where the Elijahs that will repair the altar and build it. No matter now you're outnumbered by 850 to 1, you still stand resolute on the foundation that God gave you. John make a horrible mistake. John interfered with Jewish culture and said to Herod, Herod, you can't hang around that girl. Give her back to her husband. And the woman hated him and went, cut his head off and bring his head in the charter. But one thing they didn't change the chartered message that he preached. They locked up Paul. The entire church world for a second. All of Asia. Alexander Compass Smith died trophies and all those wicked men rose up. But Paul says, Timothy, stand with me. I'm asking you right now to bow your heads. The new morality, the new Doctrine of society is compromised. Be assimilated. Give, give, give up your Pentecostal culture. Give up the way you live for God. Find a church that allow you loose ends and weakness. But are we ready to face the challenge? Is anybody here who said, Pastor, I'm going to stand with you. Preach the truth. Don't change. I'm depending on you to hold the line. Come on, Pastor. Draw the line. Teach us moral uprightness.
Come on, Pastor. Refuse to break God's plan and God's law to suit society. Pastor, teach us how to maintain our diversity stand. Teach us how to be culturally undefiled. Preacher, teach us how to be conscientious objector to the world demand for the new unbiblical morality. Pastor, teach us how to take a biblical stand. Pastor, teach us, take us back. Take us back to the place where we first stand with God. Pastor, don't be political when you preach. Take a posture for truth. Pastor, don't be partisan. Don't be a conformist to immorality. Pastor, don't worry about the complaint. Stand for God. Preach the truth. Get us out of hell. Get us into heaven, preacher. Keep us safe. Take me back. Take 